and welcome to this, the 13th episode of the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. I am your host, Angus Og McAnally, Artistic Director of Rise Productions, a freelance actor, more recently a director and producer here at Rise. I'm a 15-year veteran of the Irish theatre scene and a third-generation theatre maker. And as ever, we are coming to you live from our studios at the Irish Theatre Institute in the heart of Dublin's cultural quarter of Temple Bar. And here we are for episode 13, 13 unlucky for some and a tiny bit unlucky for us. We spent a lot of this week looking to upgrade the tech spec of the podcast here and what we're doing, particularly in the interview section and moving to a multi-mic setup to give you better quality on each individual voice from the interviews. Got great support from serious tech boffins, uh, branched out and we're looking to uh, kind of invest in new equipment. Thought we had it sorted out through the system we're operating and it turns out that we can't run it through the suite that we're trying to do. So at the last minute, work to try and get a second microphone to record a second track and unfortunately it hasn't worked out for us. The interview doesn't suffer, you still get all the important stuff because it's the microphone that's on the guest that picked everything up. It was only my microphone that didn't, so I'm just a little bit lower in the mix this week. I'm slightly off mic. We're going to do our best to fix it in uh, in the edit and in the mix, but if you're wondering why I'm a little bit quiet this week, that's why. But what it means is we've now got to the end of all the trial and error and we will have a brand shiny new ultra high-tech podcast coming to you next week. Thanks be to Jesus. So as ever, we are bringing you this podcast absolutely free of charge. We've promised that we'll never ever charge for these interviews. But we are looking for you to put your money where your mouth is and go and support Irish theatre. So I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are, go and buy a ticket. Buy a ticket to something, anything. I don't care where it is, just go and put your money back into the theatre. We all need to support this wonderful industry. Let's get out there and uh, and get doing it. Of course, there are many ways you can support without having to put your hand in your pocket. Um, go and spread the word about this podcast, which is helping to support, celebrate, and, uh, and, and promote all that's great about Irish theatre. Tell people about the podcast, whether that's in person, over a cup of coffee, share the link on your Facebook page, or retweet it on Twitter. Go and subscribe to the podcast over on iTunes, or you can do that on Fight Night, or you can check us out on radiomade.ie. Check us out on the Fight Night website, obviously, fightnight.ie too. Um, go back and listen to all the other episodes we've put out. Leave us a review on iTunes if you have a minute, or if you're very tight for time, simply click to rate us on their five star system over there. You can follow us, Rise Productions, on Facebook. We're facebook.com forward slash Rise Productions Ireland, or you can follow us on Twitter. We're at Rise Ireland. It's as simple as that. So this week's interview is a kind of an exciting one. There's a very encouraging trend at the moment with Irish actors that they're going abroad and doing kind of big things internationally. Just over the last couple of years, obviously the most notable one at the moment would be Mr. Fassbender, but in recent times, guys that we've all been sharing a stage with, you look at you know Aidan Turner, who's off in New Zealand doing the Hobbit movies, or Colin O'Donoghue, who's off doing very exciting things with Anthony Hopkins and, and stuff over in LA. There's a nice vibe of, of things being possible I mean, there's a big thing about this business that there's always that lottery ticket element to it that you would have heard us talk about uh, occasionally on the podcast here that, you know, you can be plugging away, doing your own thing, and, and suddenly this big opportunity can come up and you can go and take over the world. And uh, so I've mentioned a couple of guys who are doing that at the moment. And one guy who's really doing that at the moment is the brilliant Adam Fergus, who is uh, is going to be chatting to us this week. And Adam's a great guy, a guy who I have an awful lot of time for, a guy who unfortunately I don't get to see as much as I'd like to, given that he's so busy and away off foreign so often. Um, he's a guy who's done an awful lot of stage work here but really got a huge amount of screen time here um, doing an awful lot of great movies uh, and some great TV stuff here too and mercifully it's all taken off from him and, and recently he's been over in, in Canada shooting the big TV show um, Being Erica which is 
replayed all the time on on E4 and all that. And it's you know it's really going well for him. He's a he's a really interesting guy. I'm delighted things are going as well for him as they are because he deserves it. He's a really good actor um, and a great guy to be around. Uh, it's a really interesting interview. He's pretty open and pretty forthright and honest throughout this. It's an interesting insight into a guy who's really, I think, about to go supernova over the next little while. Again, I'm not going to yak on too much this week. We're going to get straight into it. This is the brilliant Adam Fergus. Adam Fergus, here we are. Oh. Thank you so much for coming to have a chat to us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me, Angus. Um, thank you for jetting in. Uh, thank you for <laughs> the start. All the way from Leighton. Absolutely. So, <laughs> let's go back to the very beginning, as we do every week. When did it occur to you to work in the business? Yeah, I don't know. I've been thinking how I'm going to answer that question because I've been listening to the various answers. And um, I think, you know, like I think it was Aiden or someone said, it was like, um, it wasn't so much a bolt of lightning that ever hit me. Like it wasn't, uh, oh God, now I want to see a performance and I want to be an actor. I had a very creative older sister. I still have her, thank God. But uh, she, uh, when we were kids, we lived in Monaster Boys, the other side of Drogheda. Like proper rural Ireland. Like, well, you know, proper yeah. as it was back in the... 80s and uh, she was mad keen about putting all plays in her garage and stuff like that and we used to invite people from down the down the, the, the road to come down and look at them and we gave the money to like to church and stuff like that honest to god yeah I think it happened twice now I don't we didn't do it on a bi-weekly basis okay. or anything but she used to like we used to hang this little like wire across and drape a little curtain over it and do puppet shows and then she dressed me up as a girl and all this kind of crack yeah so I yeah, so it probably came initially, and then she married me and my next door neighbour uh, in, in okay. a wedding ceremony um, when we were seven. So it was kind of all this kind of stuff, although indirectly, like my dad will say, like, Jesus, where did I get these creative children? I've been, been, been in business all my life, and my, my wife's a nurse. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Um, and um, so that's kind of where probably, you know, the, where the seeds were planted, I'd say. And then... Uh, then um, I went to, I remember turning around to my dad after, I did, I did some plays in school, right. in Clowns, we did, we, did, we did a good drama um, festival every year, we did one play a year, it wasn't like there was a constant drama course, yeah. like it's common of Irish schools, unfortunately, that we don't have any proper drama yeah. in, in, in the syllabus, I suppose, but uh, um, yeah, so we did, we, did, we did, the first one was the Queer Fella, the being play, which was brilliant, I did that in fourth year, and then we did um, the Kane Mutiny Court March, I think. Uh, in sixth year and uh, I, I really that was when I was really properly I suppose so if there was ever like something that was like going yeah this is what I'd love to do just enjoyed it getting up and showing off and playing and lying and all that kind of crack that goes with what we do and uh, um, I just really got I just loved it and, I, and but because I was always into everything that ever came my way like you know everything from karate lessons to fo- football and rugby and tennis and everything else and um, my dad was very skeptical when I finished uh, school and went home turned around and said I want to be an actor right, and he okay. goes uh, alright she goes uh, so how much is uh, how much is the um, Gaiety School of Acting I said I want to go to the Gaiety School of Acting yeah. of course I'd missed out on the, the, BT, the BTS in Trinity because yeah. I hadn't gotten my shit together to uh, see when the auditions were right. so it was either drama and theatre studies which was 550 points or the Gaiety School of Acting. Of course, I said to my dad, and he goes, how much is it? I said, it's about, it's about four and a half grand a year, as it was at the time. And he goes, okay, yeah, you should go and do that. You go and do the, the Gaiety School of Acting, and um, you, you find a place in Dublin, and you stay in the place. You work during the night or whatever you can, and pay for your tuition. <laughs> Just dead air. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, oh, he goes, or, or you can go to UCD and do your economics and politics like you got into and uh, I'll give you a few quid to, to keep you going during the, during the week and, um, and you know you can get a proper degree and then you can do your acting after that okay. so that's kind of what I did I took the, took the easy option I didn't fancy much uh, working in the badass cafe until 4 o'clock in the morning and then getting up to meet Patrick Sutton at 9 so um, 
I did that, I did my degree, and uh, then as soon as I finished college, I did drum soccer in UCD for a bit, so I kind of hung around a bit with, uh, with Amy Huberman and, and uh, John Hill and Barry Flanagan, and yes. of course Rory was there, I didn't know Rory that much in there, Roy Nolan, but, uh, yeah. but Chris obviously was the most gregarious, Chris O'Day was the most gregarious character in there, and we got on very well. And, and whatever happened to him? I don't know, yeah, no, I think, I think he's uh, still an awfully selling uh, peanuts or something, I don't know. Um, but uh, I was actually just speaking to him earlier on. Um, but uh, he, uh, yeah, so Chris was kind of, uh, I was involved in a couple of plays. I did, I remember I did uh, The Shaw, I think, David Mamet play. Not a very it's well, a play. yeah, it's an amazing play with, uh, with Dara McKeown and uh, this American girl. I can't remember what her name is. And um, she was, <clears throat> and that was, that was great. That was, that, that, that did quite well. And then, and then I did another play, but. I found, you know, I, I'd, like, uh, I, suppose, I don't know if it was because I went to boarding school or because I was playing football for UCD, but my mates were so much different than the arty mates that I, that I was, you know, I didn't, it wasn't that I didn't get on with anyone, I got on with everyone down there, yeah. but it was just kind of like you were kind of being torn, oh, we're all going off to see this play and then the lads are going off on the piss in the student bar or I'm playing, I was playing football for UCD as well, soccer for UCD, so I was, I was kind of, my, my focus was elsewhere of being enjoying yourself when you're out of, out of boarding school yeah. and, you know... <laughs> No, so, when you say playing soccer for UCD, do you mean top flight proper? No, 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 no. Well, they, they have they have intermediate, they have freshers intermediate, and then they have the and, and co so the college side of it. But the, you, you, if, if if you were ever arsed or probably good enough, more to the point, you probably would have progressed. I was neither. <laughs> so no, but it was good. It was great. It was real. It was good focus, and it was great. And I love playing football for them. So that obviously just went, uh, took my focus out of dram sock. Um, but still, I always really said to myself, like, uh, you know, I, I still want to go and. Give it a give a stab when I finish uh, school or finish college. So when I finished, again was too late to apply for the Gaiety School of Acting, <laughs> full time course for that year. I didn't, okay. yeah, because that's the kind of dude I was. And uh, um, so I said, rang them up and they said, listen, we have uh, you can apply because it's full, but you can apply for the the, the, the foundation course or the whatever courses they have, the two days a week course, or whatever. Sure. So I said, okay, I'll do that, and I worked in a uh, clothes shop and. Stevens Green and uh, did that course for right. the year, um, and so I was kind of you know I I I I was true to my word as of when when I had those that infamous chat with my dad at eighteen, um, I, so I went off and I did that and I really enjoyed it. Karen Egan was my coach or was my teacher for the first while, and then I don't know something happened. I think she did a bit of a fall night with Paddy Sutton, and uh, then she left, and I think John Delaney took over. Lovely chap. Two brilliant. They were both great. And they were, I just learned so much from the two of them. They were great. Um, and especially Karen, because I had her longer. And I uh, really got on very well with her. And she was, um, yeah, she was, she was quite inspirational. And then I got a, yeah, weird thing happened. Just a couple of weeks before the end, we were doing, we were practicing, or we were um, rehearsing for our um, end of year show. We're all kind of, I was, you know, people, half the people in there were only doing it just to kind of like do a bit of acting. And I, this is, I was like, this is me. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I want to do this. And like, were you thinking that this would be enough to then set you out into the world? Or I don't were you know. Half thinking of going back to do the two years? Oh, I, I, no, I'd actually, yeah, yeah, I'd applied and gotten into the full time two year okay. course, right? So I'd, I'd done it again, done my initial audition with Cahill and with Paddy and uh, Patrick. And uh, it was great. Yeah, gotten in. And uh, actually, Susan, the wonderful Susan Fitzgerald, had helped me with my audition. Um, right. and, and subsequently had me with several auditions along the way. Like, yeah, you can't say enough about that woman. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, anyway, two weeks before, three, two or three weeks before, my mom was on a flight from, from Malaga back to, uh, to Dublin with my auntie, who was an aerostat. So my auntie was working the flight, and my mum and had her going in. You know, they kind of do this up here. And um, one of the gentlemen air stewards on the, on the plane was a guy called Robin Kyo, who runs Dark Horse Theatre Company. Or, I'm not sure if it's still around, is it? Right. 
And so Robin was doing a play and he got talking to my mom. And he goes, she, my, I was like, well, my son wants to be an actor. So he goes, here, give him this, or tell him to give me a call. So I gave him a call and he, did, and he says, I do one play a year. I didn't know the content of the play or what the play was going to be about or whatever. Um, so I ring him up, he sends me the play and I go in and I audition for Donnick O'Brien as cast, is, is, is directing it. And the play is about uh, a young Canadian, uh, confused, um, sexually confused Canadian strip dancer in a gay nightclub. This is when it opens. And it, uh, um, he's, he'd been brought out of Scotland when he was a young child, when six months old by his mother, and under strange circumstances, she didn't want to know about his past. He didn't want, she didn't want him to know about his past. Right. So she brings him off. And Anyway, the play's called Kilt. It was a wonderful play. And I ended up auditioning for it. And uh, first of all, not getting the parts. And they said, no, you, you haven't done anything before, so we don't want to take a risk. And then Dunica rings me up and goes, we want to offer you one of the parts. And then he rings me up a half an hour later and goes, no, we don't want to offer you the part. We want to offer you the lead role. So I was like, oh, Jesus, this is amazing. I, 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 I still had no idea. I was just I was so green, I had no idea. So, so the, the play required like, some nudity on stage and it required, obviously, a, a relate, a, the, the play jumps back and forth 50 years to the war. And you okay. also play his grandfather, who was Scottish. So you play a Canadian, you play a Glaswegian uh, in, the, in, the nor- in North Africa during the war. It's a really amazing play. <clears throat> Wonderful story. And I uh, went in through to rehearsals and we rehearsed one half, half the play for the first week, all the Canadian bits, because Peter Daly, who was playing the officer that I end up having a relationship in the, in the war, right. uh, had, was, was finishing off another play and wasn't available. So uh, uh, the next week we come in and we start rehearsing the scenes and then we get to the bit where myself and Peter Daly have to kiss. <laughs> Uh, it was one of the fun. It was a magical moment. I was never, uh, yeah, it stayed with me. And, uh, and you know, that's when I really kind of found a good maid in theatre because myself and Peter both, uh, I said, have you ever have to kiss a guy on stage? Well, no, have you? And I said, no. And then suddenly we were comfortable with it, you know? And, um, and we just got on like a house on fire and we, he really made, made the play uh, so much uh, easier for me. You know, the, the difficulties that a heterosexual male would have coming out of probably a homophobic boarding school. Yes. And uh, it kind of... Uh, yeah, it was great. It was really, it was a great play for me. And more so that it vindicated me, for my reason for, for getting into theatre. And I said, if I can do this, I remember ringing Barry Flanagan before I did it. And Barry, I said, Barry was going to do it. And then he, he said he didn't want to because he didn't want to do another profit share or something. Sure. Which is fair enough. And because he, he'd done several before and this was my first. And he said, uh, no, man, do it. Look, if this is what you want to do. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And so, so I went ahead and did it. And it really did, you know, it made, made, made why I was making this choice. It makes sense for me. You know? And for you, having done that, to- was that the point where you said, look, if I can go and play lead roles, do I really need to go and do another two years? Or, or what happened in that decision well, then? Yeah, it was funny, actually. Um, so I, a, a friend of mine, Dave McLaughlin, who's a, he produced that uh, movie, Dead Bodies, and oh, yeah. um, uh, he gave me, he was just a he met him, friend of friend, he just ended up like taking me under his wing and giving me a small role in that, or an extra, almost a glorified extra role in that. And then he helped me out getting my pictures taken by Pat Redmond, who was the stills photographer on that, right. to, do, to do a kind of a headshot, and then ta- taught me how to put this CV together. So just make up stuff, <laughs> just make up. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, let the cat out of the bag here, Dave. So I hope you're listening. And um, so he goes, uh, and so he, we, we got the, my whole CV together, and he helped me out with it. And then I sent it out to all the agents around the place, and all the directors and producers, about thirty or forty little CVs, and. Um, <clears throat> He had written a list of who to say, and he put Lisa Richards at the top of the list. And he said, look, you know, they're covered. If you can get them, they're, they're quite difficult to get. They're quite, you know, um, um, well sought after as agents, yeah. best in the country or whatever you want to look. And he goes, uh, so it would be very difficult, but try and get them to come in. So on the last or the third last night, they still hadn't come in, you know. And uh, so I ended up ringing 
Dave. I said, they haven't been in yet. So he rang Lisa Cook or emailed her or something and said, saw this lad. Hadn't been to the play. He was due to come in on the Sunday night. He said, hadn't been to the play. He goes, saw this lad in the, in upstairs in Andrew's Lane um, for uh, in this play kids. You've got to go and check him out. And she was like, oh yeah, someone, someone, he sent in something. And then eventually she came in and then Richard came in and then on the Monday they signed me on, which was great, you know. Um, but Patrick Sutton sits on the board of Lisa Richards. So uh, I was like, I'm going to have to tell Patrick Sutton that I'm not going back to school or going, going to drama yeah. school. So he wasn't too impressed initially, but then he kind of got over it very quickly, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. They advised me not to go back. Right, okay. This yeah. Is yeah, just why not? Most of the, half of the reason kids go to, go to drama school is to get an agent, and you have an agent, this so very true. move on. So, what was the next step in the process for you? You said, okay, don't need to go on train. I need to work to try and do this. What happened next? Next, um, well, actually, <clears throat> funny enough, went straight into another play uh, that Dunica was directing with Peter Daly called uh, It was Midsummer Night's Dream out in the Civic, um, upstairs in the Civic with uh, Peter Daly and Shane Carr and uh, amongst others. It was great. It was a real, it was a great play. Um, it was like, uh, it was called, it was in the round. And it was called Midsummer Night's Dream, Six Actors in Search of an Audience. So we, had, okay. we all had our costume changes in the corners upstairs in, in, in the Civic. And it was another it was a chance to do Shakespeare with Dunica, who's a genius. And he was, like, he's such a, he's a, he was only 21 at the time or something. And um, he just directed me in my first two plays. And it was just, it was great. It was, um, it was a really, really great experience. Uh, marred at the end. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I don't know whether I should get into this or not. But um, no, I, I was... Uh, so in the meantime, I'd gotten a, uh, uh, a call from, or Lisa Richards had gotten a call from Maureen News saying that she was doing this TV show, Proof. Yes. And so I got, I went to meet her for that. And um, when I was meeting, she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she just gave me the part there and then. It was a small little role of an interview, my first the screen role sure. or whatever. It was a show too. That was... Not just because I was in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good. I thought it was really good. I thought it was like it was a good break from the Irish norm. It was one of the first kind of like, you know, they took a different look at it and um, got a little bit creative I thought with the writing and it was good Aidan Kelly was also in it very good mean man and um, but anyway um, so and while she was doing that she was thinking she goes you know what you'd be good for this thing that I'm doing with uh, Gary Hines Sharon's grave and uh, I was like alright cool yeah and she, she gave me the script and then it transpired that I was because I was doing the play in Dublin they were going to be rehearsing in Galway that I couldn't I couldn't do it yeah. but Gary insisted that I come in anyway Right. So I came in and met Gary for the part of, of, of uh, Neilis in Sharon's Grave. Um, <clears throat> so next, so, uh, so, so next was, to, uh, Gary just said, and again, Gary almost gave me the, 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 the part in the rim as well. Go to another couple of days later, I got the call saying you got the part and they're going to just make it work. And everyone was very excited in East Richards. And it was all great. Wow. I, so and is... Probably everyone was more excited than I did because I was the only ignorant person that didn't know didn't know who Gary Hines was okay so you know my, so you were that fresh I was that fresh yeah 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 I, like I know I, I I quickly found out and, and I kind of in the in the week leading up to uh, starting I did all my homework and sure. um and then uh, <laughs> then I what happened next yeah so so basically what I had to do was I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning and, and get the first train at six to to Galway uh, arrived there at quarter past nine and then do three hours of rehearsals. So I was back then by three to get to Tala by whatever time. Yeah. So I was only, so this happened for the week. Now, it wasn't working. It just, it wasn't working because A, I was so fresh. Yeah. I was trying to do my lines. I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never studied acting properly apart from the two days. Yeah. 
So I was just, I was like, okay, I'm trying, I was trying really hard. And then it was, so you're commuting to Galway. Commuting to Galway. That rehearsing there for a couple of hours, jumping back on a train to go back on stage in the Civic that night. Yeah. To then get a tiny bit of sleep to get back on the train the next morning. Yeah. Good Jesus. Right, okay. Yeah, so like, not not quite Michael J. Fox, the Michael Craig J. Fox reference you had last week or yes, whatever, indeed. a couple of weeks ago. But, it's, but it was still, and, and it was just because I was so green, I hadn't a clue what I was doing, you know. Yes. Um, and I remember, I remember this one class or one uh, rehearsal I was upstairs just myself Gary and David Bodger like two amazing people and really great I was really enjoying myself yeah. but I was just struggling to get where they wanted me to get I didn't know so <clears throat> and, uh, and so I went back to back to uh, Dublin on the Friday and uh, I played football that weekend right. played football as you do and I ended up screwing up my ankle like badly so I arrived on Monday morning right Arriving Monday morning. No, first of all, I had to do the play that night. It was a Saturday I was playing football. And I had to do the play that night in the Civic um, uh, with on, just sitting down in the audience. Yeah. That's how green. I didn't know idea. I'm just playing football. Arriving, like, on crutches. Having to do it, sitting in either, like, they, they had to take two seats either side of me in the, in the round. You know the Civic in the round upstairs? Yeah. There's feck all seats anyway, like, you know? So there's two seats that are I'd reserve. All my costume changes. When I was sitting in the audience, changing into the lion and doing all, playing Demetrius and fighting Peter Daly across the thing with my sword, not being able to get up off my ass, you know? So it was, <laughs> but it ended up being one of the best shows that we did that night, you know? Right. So still on Monday, I was unable to walk and I, and I arrived up to uh, Gary and she just took one look at me. I think she nearly fucking shot the bed. She's like, what the going on here so um then i think i ended up maybe thursday or friday i was about to go and lisa Cook came to see me in the in the civic and said uh, listen bad news it's been recast sharon's great i was like what does that mean wow so so and i, and I would take me i would take a, a good percentage of blame myself and and um, you know not being able to get where i was at but also I would give, I would, I would apportion a lot of the blame to Gary for A, casting me in, in the circumstances, and B, what she did was, and she did, she, she gave Dinsey's part, who's been played by Tom Vaughan Lawler, yeah. she gave him my part, because she wasn't, she wasn't thinking what that was working, and then she gave Frankie McCaffrey, who was unavailable at the beginning, his part, so it was kind of, poor old Tom had to be in there for the whole thing and watch someone else play his part, so it was kind of a little bit um, insensitive, Yes. Probably would be one word. And uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I, I, it, was a, it was a good baptism of fire into the, the, the how, how harsh the business could get after yeah. such a short period of time of, of, of it being so nice and great and everyone being so excited and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So it was a big crash into reality. Although at the time, I was like, ah, Jesus, what, how bad? And you know, I didn't really take it as badly as I would have taken it in two or three years time when I wasn't getting any work and you know, things were really bad. I would have been a lot harder to take, a hard, lot harder to stomach. But at the time, I was like, well, oh, whatever. I'll just get another pain next week, you know? So, yeah. So I guess then kind of the naivety of being that, like you say, that green to begin with actually was in your favour then the first time. I totally you was. too caught up with the fact that, oh, this is Gary Vine. Exactly, yeah. No, it totally worked in my favour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it totally did. Um, but, and, and, you know, I still had, uh, like, yeah, and so everyone was so good, so nice. I remember Catherine Maltrain meeting me for a coffee around the corner here. And she, everyone was so, you know, sensitive about how sensitive I would be or you know yeah. to my needs basically you know and met up with Tom ended up going to see the play anyway and really enjoyed it and stuff and um, there was no bad blood um, and then we'll talk about the home place later I'm sure but Gary came up to me in the, during the, the, the opening of the home place in the gate and she, and she said some very nice things and so there was no real bad blood but I just thought I think she would admit at the time or whether she would care to admit or not I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you this is who I was <laughs> 
you know, it was, yeah, it was quite insensitive and uh, more so probably to Tom than me. So, well, I'm very tempted to talk about the home place because I saw it and loved it, um, not least because Brian Freed is the greatest writer of all time. Mm. Did that happen relatively quickly after that or was it a while later? It was a while later. I did a couple of things in between. Um, the, did the, the Inside and Dancing film with Damien O'Donnell. And, Which was uh, a huge success. Yeah, it did quite well. Yeah, yeah, it did quite well. And that was great fun. It was really it was good to be part of, like, you know, James McAvoy and Ramola yeah, Ramona Gary. Yeah, I know. <laughs> People are going to go, whatever happened to him? <laughs> Uh, but uh, it, he, yeah, it was Damien was a great dude to work for. Such a nice guy, and we got on very well. And uh, Roman and Gary was great to watch <laughs> and work with. And uh, as were the lads, Stephen Robertson and, and James McAvoy. It was a great, great crew. And then there was a lot of Irish people that we all know. Alan King was hilarious, and as you might, might remember. And um, yeah, we had some really good fun. It was good. To, it was you know maybe a week of filming on that, but it was just it was yeah it was an eye opening. I really want to be doing this too. Right, okay, and was that, the, was that the first moment for you kind of going, okay, stage is stage, but this is pretty exciting as well? Yeah, or you know, more exciting, I don't know, no, I, like, I've never found really that I preferred one than the other, you know? It's just, well, like, there's no, uh, there's no point in talking about them and not talking about the financial uh, side of things, because it's just, it, like, you can't survive uh, on theatre, you know, without having six jobs and having someone a very good bar manager giving you your job back every time you finish your play you know so obviously that side kind of you know um uh that the, the the financial side of things kind of uh, tips the scales a little yeah. bit but apart from that i've never really I, i've loved both processes and they're both so different and you know um you get to use two different uh sides of preparation you get to use the two different very very similar but slightly different skills and in, in the performing and stuff and i think it's it's great i i, I will say that having met a uh, quite a few uh, actors in uh, Canada over the, over the last two years that have never been on stage or and in the States have never seen a stage or never had any affiliation with the yeah. stage. I feel I have something, not more than them, but I have something that I'm proud of to have yeah. cut my teeth on the stage more so than cut my teeth in film and never stood foot on the stage. Yeah, because you know? here that kind of doesn't exist. There are very few people who've never been on stage yeah. but get you know a, a film or TV career, whereas over there it seems that it kind of possible yeah no it, definitely it's more than possible because and even more so now with the advent of reality TV stars and all that kind of stuff where people are just being drafted in for their celebrity and yeah, yeah you kind of you kind of really uh, yeah it's not one-upmanship but it's kind of like yeah you know I'm that's something I'm proud of and you know and that especially when I got the call for the home place which was a huge deal for me like yeah. you know because the gay wouldn't have known who I was you know um, I knew Susan through Sarah Coggan who's always been a school friend of mine Sarah, Sarah Susan's daughter and um um, and Susan had had me with my, as I said, from my auditions for the for the, the Gaiety School, and she she called no, I don't know, I called she called me one day and said you got to get seen for this new play. She'd obviously read it, yeah. and um, I said I said Susan, I've been I've been heard about, it, I've been trying, but uh, the the Lisa Richards can't get me in for because the gate aren't going to see. She goes. So I, she said nothing, but I'm sure, I'm sure the, when Monday, when Tirith rang Richard Cook on Monday and said, oh, let's get Adam Ferguson in, there was something that had gone on there. Yeah, and um, I, I've never asked her, but I'm sure that's the reason. Anyway, so I went in and, uh, oh, that morning I, I had, so I got the scenes and, and at that stage, um, Hugh O'Connor um, had just been cast, right. but I hadn't known he'd been cast for the role of David. And I was uh, auditioning for the role of Con and David. Okay. So, so I prepared all morning with Susan, maybe four hours, like or three hours, or whatever, with, right. with, on, on, the, on the two on the two roles, and went in for my audition. And I uh, we got in Michael Colgan and Adrian Noble, um, so I came out to the hall, and I remember so who else was there? Lord Jane Lockton, Con, 
few other, a few other heads that, um, of, that we'd all know yeah. that were there. And, um, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, Bodley Coggins just comes out and goes, right, so we're not going to be reading for the role of Dave. We've just cast that. So it's just the role of Khan we're going to be reading for. And I, I just, that's where I'd spend most of my time with Susan. Oh, and, you know? So I was just, just I was like, oh. So, so, uh, so I, without, without even being able to uh, stop myself, I said, oh, Jesus, Michael, I spent a lot of time on that this morning. <laughs> no one else. Everyone just looks at me, you know? And so he just went back into the room with Adrian Noble and we went in and we did our piece. And then he brought us in with various different actors and, and um, um, a various different couple mixes yeah. or whatever. And um, so I read the role of Khan and, I, and, and, you know, it came off as well as I'd done it with Susan that morning. And then, and then uh, just as everyone was leaving, uh, Noel Brown, I think, came in and uh, he, um, Michael goes, Adam, would you hold on a minute? Uh, Noel's here, and we might just might as well just get you to read this role while she's here waiting or something like that. So I went in and got to do my David anyway, which I thought was, you know, it was much better than, and it was a much longer piece basically that you sure. could you could you could you could stretch your muscles a little bit more in it. And uh, so anyway, got the got the role in that, and that was, you know, that's the, the single most proudest moment of my of my acting career, being being in that play, working in the West, working with all the people that I got to work with in that play. You know, it's the first time I worked with Nick Dunning and. Uh, super dude to work with, like you know, a really nice guy. And then obviously Tom Courtney was. How spectacular is he? Ah, uh, listen, you can ask Laura Jane Lachlan, you can ask Tom, Hugh O'Connor. Like there, he just took us under his wing. He was over here. He's not, he doesn't know no kids of his own, you know. And um, but he would take us under his wing, take us just in there to into Eden yeah. for for dinner on a, on a random night or on a <clears throat> on a Sunday when we weren't working. And you know he's he was recovering from prostate cancer and he was like you know a little bit fragile, but he was just. Such a nice, nice guy. And he wasn't, well, he was still able to do whatever, 10 weeks in Dublin and 16 weeks in the West End. So he wasn't that bad, you know. And, but we got on very, very well. He told us so many it, fun, funny, humble stories of when he, was, when he was younger and being whisked off to LA and not knowing what it was like and then being brought back to Hull and being more comfortable there. And, you know, um, he, he was just, he was, uh, yeah, like words can't describe how nice a guy he is. And, and really into his football. He was like, I would come in and tell him the football results. Hull had just lost and I'd slag him off. And um, <laughs> Liverpool had won, so I'd be nice. Like, you know, so we, we, had, we had a great, Little, we had a great little rapport between the, between the, the him and the three younger people in the play. I, everyone in the play, you know. And so presumably you have now achieved my lifetime ambition of there is a Brian Friel script. I know. There published oh. one page. Adam Fergus. Yeah, that's 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 what I meant by the brightest moments. Like it's great, you know. And 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 it's that it, it's it's yeah, it's something that you're very proud of, I suppose. Did you but, get to meet the man himself? Uh, Brian, yeah. You see, what happened was when 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 they were um, casting at first, um, <clears throat> Brian got very sick. Yeah. Um, just after they cast, I think you know the main, um, uh, I think Dervla and Tom, and I'm not sure if Hugh was cast at that stage or Nick was cast at that stage. But anyway, so so uh, Brian was sick right up until. Uh, I was unable to come and you know I was trying to keep him at home and trying to stop him having to come down he was dying to come down to see the play and doctors were saying no so eventually two nights before the end Brian came to see the last two performances in the gate right. and you know he was he was happy at some points but he was you know he wasn't he wasn't happy about other things and he was like you know he was dying to get stuck into the play you know and um, thanks to the endeavours of Michael Colgan and Sonia Friedman over in London and Brian and, and, and Nick and, and all the, the, the main characters, the, like, you know, Nick and Derville and, 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 and Tom, trying to get the whole cast over. They managed to, which is rarely unheard of, like, they've got everybody, everybody in the cast went over to London, except for the young kids. Right, okay. and, um, and that was just an amazing experience, working in the West End for 16 weeks. It was just really, really, yeah, it was the... 
It was a defining moment, definitely. Yeah. I was like, wow, if I ever thought that, not that I ever had any inkling to leave the business, but I was like, this is just me now. I can't, there's no way I can leave it yeah. now. And also, presumably, a big vote of confidence in you going, look, people know that you're able to hold your own in a Brian Field play in the West End. Like, yeah. It's not going to get much bigger from now. No, no, and yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, no, it was really, it was, it was a great, great time, really great time. And uh, um, just, there's, there's something about, I'm sure, like anyone will tell you, that, that, that something about working in the, in, in the West End, you feel part of this kind of community, you know? And, uh, you can't, yeah, it was great. And then, and then the shock run was over as well at the same time. So right. it was just carnage. <laughs> we you used to have a drink every so often. Every once in a while. I remember, I remember uh, um, going out. So myself and Hugh used to, and Laura used to go round, and whoever of uh, the other's older crew would, tend, would come on occasion, round to, I can't, what was the name? It was the Salisbury, which is right beside where the, where, where, where the, um, was it the Almeida that the track was playing in? I can't remember. Anyway, right beside St. Martin's Lane there. And could we be finished first? And then, and then they would come down and then the lads, DP, would come out, Peter Daly and Rory Keane. And it was just, yeah, it's great banter. It's How great. different a beast is West End Theatre to what we'd be used to here? Just the experience of it. Is it a bigger machine? Is there more pressure? Is it more shiny and glamorous? I think, I th yeah. Well, like, you know, it's a bigger, yeah, it is a bigger machine. Yeah, yeah there's no doubt about it. But it's not, there's no difference you know, in going out and having an audience in the Abbey or an audience in the Gate um, and, and an audience in, in the comedy in, in the West End. It's like, okay, there, the difference is the, 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 the scale of the theatre might be slightly bigger. I think it was, ours was 800 seater or whatever. Okay. So the scale is bigger, but, you know, and then there's, there's, they're, they're more, they have the whole the English way of doing things. There's always the young the, the guy in the stage door and they always have the kind of thing. But it's, it's, uh, it's more formulaic, I suppose. And, and, uh, old school I think okay yeah I, I, I don't know okay. talk to me a bit then we mentioned inside of Ransom talk to me a bit more about the screen stuff you did here before everything went and, and took off I mean because you've done more than most here you've done quite a bit well I did yeah I suppose uh, I've done a, a few things it doesn't it certainly doesn't seem seem so when you look back in 10 years of the career Jesus that's <laughs> nowhere near enough look at my IMDB page it's sparse <laughs> Um, I did, yeah, I've done a couple of things. I, I did the, the first, uh, after the Inside of Dancing, I did a, a TV show for RT called uh, Trouble in Paradise. Right. With Lorcan Cranach and Angeline Paul and Charlene Gleeson and Brian Gleeson, no relation, uh, although they were, <laughs> they were in brother and sister in the show, which is odd enough. Um, and so, and, and among us, and, and, and the guy who played my brother, Declan Conlon, like, so, and Fiona Shocknessy as well. So there was a load of great people in the show. Now the show didn't really didn't really pan out very yeah. well. I think anyone who's honest um, will will say that they uh, yeah it didn't really work. Although and that, and that was because it wasn't properly funded from RTE. I think new people came into RTE and didn't really believe in it as much as other people did. And there was a whole po political side behind it. And then great Western films I think are notoriously popular for bringing things in under budget or on budget or and. Right. You know, so so it was just it just it wasn't enough spent in it, and and you know the the sad thing was the script that we got at the beginning was really interesting and could have worked, and then because it got butchered along the way, and we were cutting scenes and we were shooting scenes in, in a hotel in Cabra with a, in a in a uh, in a hotel lobby that wasn't locked off, you know, <laughs> that was. <laughs> And people, businessmen checking in, and the phones ringing, and myself and Charlene are doing this scene, just going, "I say, are you fucking serious? 
This is ridiculous. So anyway, but but it was but the people to work with those people, like you know, Lorcan is and well, I'm not singing anyone. Anyway. They're all brilliant. But working so closely with Declan Conn and I, just we got on really really well, and we hung out a lot, and um, yeah, we had a great great time, a great time filming that, and I learned a lot. You know, like my character and Charlene's character were two of the main characters in it, and we. We both were quite green to, 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 to TV and film. I've done it slightly, slightly more than her, but still we were both quite green. And um, just, just, just the, the, the aesthetics of, of being on a film set and, and learning the, the, you know, um, what's right and wrong to do and hitting your marks and you know, finding your light and all that kind of stuff was just, um, it, was, it was good preparation for, for stuff that was, you know, that cut down the road, I suppose. Um, what about satellites and meteorites then? Ah, what How did that come about? And tell me about... I couldn't believe it when I when that's when I read that script. Like like a lot of people in Dublin uh, that read that script, um, um, it was just Rick Larkin just wrote this epic script. It was just brilliant. It was genius, and you know we I I remember reading it and, and finding that Amy was doing it. I knew Amy from 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 uh, from college, and we'd done a little bit of the clinic together. I did a, yeah. a, a, the clinic for a couple of episodes, and um, and uh, so I was kind of. But the, the, the story behind it were, um, and the way he created this kind of world with two people in a coma, falling in love, and it was just, it was a crazy love story that just worked on. Um, and so I went in, I'll never forget it, I went in to, to read for it, and I just ended up telling Rick for most of the, the first 10 minutes before I actually got to read just how wonderful the script was. I was like, Look, I don't care if I don't get this, this has to get me, it's brilliant. And so I think that's kind of swayed Rick a little bit. <laughs> so, as a tip for actors, go and massage someone's ego. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Tom Hall once told me, if you can take direction in, in, a, in, in, a, in a, an audition, it shows the director that he's brilliant on his job. <laughs> I said, that's a great tip, Tom. <laughs> yeah. So, um, what was the experience like? Was it great was, working with Amy? Oh, listen, she, like everyone will tell, like she's a super person, really cool person, great actress. But great I fun. Really, I think she's really underrated as an actress. I think kind of people feel, well, she did the clinic and she's married to herself and whatever else. I think there's kind of a complacency about her. I think she's actually really. Ah, oh, she's top drawer, top drawer, and like you know, she's to play the character that she played in that in in satellites and meteorites, um, played by anybody, not any, yeah, anybody else. They might have come off as this like annoying American, but Amy just played it with such kind of bubbly personality behind it and with such innocence. And um, yeah, yeah, just all around joy. Like she's just, and, and her accent was impeccable. Her acting, I think, is top drawer. And yeah, so she made that part, which is a lot harder to make work than my part in the film, I thought, uh, work so well. And, you know, we didn't have, we shot it all in 18 days. We didn't have any expensive props. And it was, there was a lot, it was, it was like, it was, if you read that script, like a studio in the States might have wanted to be, be very CGI heavy, but we did all kind of in, in, in camera, like, tricks basically you know we and we made a papier mache meteor um and because because it was all taking a lot of it was taking place in 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 the subconscious in the dream world that you could you had the license to do all this stuff and um i don't know if you've seen the film the silence of sleep with gail garcia bernal it was like they do they do all these kind of crazy uh, puppetry stuff in that that is kind of synonymous with what we did in ours like you know it's uh, um, um and it's a good way of getting around the expensive cgi thing you know, um, uh, but Rick really he directed it. He produced it as well. Emer Emer Kelly Emer Kelly did, produced it as well. He just got nominated, didn't she, for that uh, short film for the. Um, so they were both. We had a great team behind us, like you know, um, and it was an, a huge enjoyable experience. Ended up doing no business in Ireland, right? Um, but did very well in the states. We won 
four different festivals myself and Amy won an award in Fort Lauderdale for best on-screen couple and wow. you know it, it, it was yeah it did, it did quite well in the festivals in the States um, and um, Rick sold it at Cannes to, some, uh, to a company called uh, High Point Films or something like that um, but yeah it ended up not getting it released in, in Ireland yet or as uh, yeah no. yes but here you are now with proper leading role in a big movie like that did that then open doors to the madness of the last couple of years not as much as I'd hoped right <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, an honest answer yeah you're like there was like it was there's a long period like you know I was over and back to, to London I ended up doing the um, Great Expectations in the Gate with uh, um uh, Donald Gleeson was playing in her pocket and there was yeah and and everyone, Donald Dent was in it and loads of other people obviously but um, did that and then was back to London and London is kind of a bit of a graft I think for an Irish actor unless you're like you've got a, 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 the uh, public opinion or you know unless you've got some gravitas behind you and that's even you know um it's quite difficult to get seen for all the big roles that, that are out there you know and it's like I think I think maybe, maybe other Irish actors who have worked over there won't think so much but uh, I think there's kind of like a bit of a an English thing of you know why would we get why would we cast an Irish guy in our in our TV or show or movie or whatever when we can just cast an English guy yeah. you know um, so unless you got a profile that's what yeah. I was trying to say um um, so yeah so I was over and back and then I came back and I did uh, Les Liaisons Dangerous here in the gate yes. again and uh, working with Nick very closely with Nick again he's brilliant and, uh, and, and by the way no, working with Alan Stanford on, on Great Expectations that was great he really was because uh, it was quite difficult carrying that show and being on stage for the whole for the whole play it was, I never really felt that comfortable until and, and, and it, was, it was a tough job for both me and Alan to try and get that you know as, as good as I wanted it to be because you know being a lead role in the gate was another dream of mine it was quite it's a difficult play to get through, but I'm glad I have done it, you know. Um, and Alan Stanford was, was was great to me on that. Um, and um, and then came back then to do Lady A's on Dangerous, and this was like the beginning of 2010. And I just kind of just left London, and uh, I was kind of indifferent. I'm going to go back to London, or I'm going to like all my work is coming from Dublin again. I'm going to stay in London. What am I going to do? I did a couple of short movies in Brighton and the likes in in London, and. It's, I was getting sporadic work, like, you know, there was stuff happening, but it wasn't, it was days on things and yeah. stuff like that, you know, and, uh, and then, um, and then this, this script came from uh, Canada into Lisa Richards and onto Jonathan Shanky's lap, and he, his character's name was Adam, and he just laughed and sent it straight to me, and, um, and I would, like, two days left of the play in, in the gate, I was up for this other thing that was shooting here, what was that called? Um, with the dinosaurs and uh, they came to shoot the series of this oh over. primeval primeval yeah 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 and um, and so that was in the pipeline and I was like and I, and I was down to the last one or two for that so I was like way more focused on that than this than this bloody script that had come from Canada they're never going to get cast in something in Canada and uh, so I was down to the last couple for that and then um, and I said okay I'll do the audition and I think I was probably doing my lines with Paul Reed in the in the uh, in the in the dressing room before the shows and everything as we both did and then I went in read for it in Lisa Richards the following Wednesday following Tuesday or Wednesday right um, and Jonathan Shanky was like okay I'll send this off now so that later that night I think it's about 7 o'clock and I'm driving down with my buddy Peter down to see his girlfriend another buddy a good, very good friend of mine down in Cork she was studying down in Cork so just take a trip down plays over I'm not going back to London yet let's go, for, let's go down on the piss for the night to Cork 7 o'clock we're driving down to Cork and I get a phone call from Shanky saying 
Where are you? I said, I'm on the road to Cork. And I said, I know, but before I'd answered, I was like, who phoned? When, when does your agent phone you after six o'clock? And it's bad news. This has to be good news. I was like, hello? <laughs> Straight away. And he was like, well, they, they, they love the tape. They want, to, they want to see you again in London. So I was like, all right, yeah, okay, cool. Um, when do I have to go? You've got to go tomorrow. I said, well, thanks, I'm going then. <laughs> so this is how, I, how much I didn't think I was, this was going to happen. Right? I was like, thanks, I'm on the, court, on the way to Cork. I'll, I'll be back. I'll go on Friday morning. All right, go on Friday morning. It's not till Friday afternoon, so go on Friday morning. So of course went down, um, and then what? Got back up, booked the flight, got to got to got to London with a satchel, with my laptop, change of underwear, and whatever. I think I was going to be flying back the next morning at the latest. Um, and uh, they saw it again, and then they then the producers of the show in Canada asked me to wait in London until they made their decision over the weekend. I was in London over the weekend, and uh, and then on the Tuesday morning, because it was a long weekend, of, I think, and um, on the Tuesday morning, um, they rang and said, "Yeah, you got the you got the part." And so I was like, "Jesus, I'm going to Canada!" It's like it was jumping for joy, whatever. And um, and then they and I said, "Right, I got to book a flight back to Dublin to get all my clothes. I only came over with a bag." I said, "No." You know, you need to go straight. We're not risking flying you back to Dublin because it was the ash cloud. Remember the the oh, Iceland thing yeah. on it. So they said, we're not risking flying you back to Dublin, so you're going to have to just come out, come out here and sort out your clothes later. So my mom packed a bag and sent it over to London with some other lad who was coming over to London and got the bag and got on a flight, went to Canada, opened the bag. It's like, I've never worn this in my life. What the hell is this? <laughs> mom? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was mad. It was It all happened in the space of like ten, five, six days, I'd say. Um, and... Uh, that was yeah, a tremendous experience. And so this was being Erica. This was being Erica. Proper international TV. Yeah, show. it's like 160 countries in the world, I think. Yeah. But who's counting? But who's counting? <laughs> and so, and then what was the reality of that like when you got over there? It was it was really strange at first, but the Canadians, is like, <laughs> Canadians are just so nice. They're just really really good people. And I arrive in, and I, I, the, my two producers, the two executive producers who owned the production company that were making the show. There were four, there was the two creative writers who I was meeting later, but I was meeting the two presidents who are former entertainment lawyers. Okay. So I'm thinking, Ivan Schneeberg and Dave Fortier, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm gonna meet these two 60 year old guys, they're gonna just cut me down to size. Yeah. So I'm in their office, I see a pool table over there, and then these two guys walk out, I said, it must be their assistants in like plaid shirts, chilled out. I think, hey, I'm Dave, I'm Ivan, how are you? Come into our office, they're like 38. Like these young lads that were just had really created this real hip show that was doing really well and um and and I would just had brought me into this kind of family that they had and everyone was so close on on that set um and uh um the one of the first things I did was it was uh, it was pass a rugby ball around their office where we were talking oh, I'm a big rugby fan oh, I'm a big rugby fan <laughs> like throwing a rugby ball it's great um and um then the next thing I was meeting the, the other two creatives who wanted then to change the character to an Irish guy. So we hadn't planned on casting an Irish guy, but we think we can do something interesting with it. And they really, really did. They did a great, great, uh, allowing me to be Irish for only five days to prepare for, to, for a role was a godsend. Yeah. Um, and so how long did you originally sign up for? Did you think this was gonna be, how long did you think you were gonna be there? Three year deal. Fucking hell. But Sorry. it's just an option, the three year option rather. Like, yeah. so, they, so they weren't they weren't guaranteeing like the fifth year would be this year right uh, 50 of the season my third year um, would be this year but I don't, but last year they, but they never intended on writing anything longer than a four year four year show so the fourth season is going to be coming out in Ireland I think in, on E4 and maybe 
next month or maybe I think they're showing reruns of the previous season and they just run into then the new season or whatever and then season 4 is that it done well we've, they've written it as a, as a finale you know we're not we, we have been told not to tell anyone but you know it's no 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 because it, it's it's a uh, like everyone else the, the media have, have said it's not going in everyone's not saying it's going, going again I don't know like if they asked me to go again um, I definitely do it was a great experience it was a, a really great show to be, to be involved in and, um, and you learn so much in, in a big like Toronto's a big place for, for, for movie and TV and um, the crews uh, are so professional and um, the money behind it as well I think it's not, like, it's not cause I think crews here are so professional crews everywhere that I've worked are, are unbelievably professional and unbelievably good at what they do but yeah. the difference is they have the money behind them like you know and, and when you have money in, on a TV show or on anything you have the time and 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 um, the resources to do it, like you know, and and that's the big thing about you know people watching soaps here, so, soaps and like, oh my god, that's terrible. What, what, what? Just, like, these people are brilliant at what they do. Which Everyone fun. involved. Yeah, you look at Fair City; they're turning out two hours of TV. How, how is that possible? <laughs> you know, and uh, and I just think that that there's not enough appreciation for that, and and, and people don't really realise that, that that money makes. The world go round, okay. <laughs> unfortunately. So talk to me about the difference between, because in our heads, if you're off making a big, in inverted commas, a big American TV show, you must be in Hollywood on, you know, Sunset Boulevard or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. But is, so filming is, is all done in Toronto? Everything's done in Toronto, yeah. Right, okay. And unlike, yeah, unlike other shows that, because Toronto's a very uh, recognisable backdrop for New York, so they would shoot a lot of New York shows in Toronto, but this is one that really embraces Canadian culture and embraces the fact that it's Toronto, so it's very much Toronto, yeah. And, but so for you, is there a plan to head over to LA? You've been spending some time in LA, haven't you? I did, yeah, no, I spent, I, like, as, uh, thankfully, I got some representation over there as a result of, of, the, of the show, so um, I'm going to go over there and try and throw my hat in the ring and see what happens for pilot season this year and um it's yeah yeah i spent six weeks there i spent a week a month there at the end of the first year of the show at the end of 2010 then i spent six weeks there and for, for a couple of weeks in new york as well just very doing various meetings and yeah. general meetings setting yourself up for the big push which is pilot season which is happening right now um and yeah like it's it's just it's the, the you're you've got a lot you've got a lot more eggs in different baskets because you could do you've got so many different auditions but you're the the the, the Amount of people going for the same jobs, the, the, like the, the competition is it's very, 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 very thick. So talk to me, what's the plan from here on out? World domination? Are you the next Colin Farrell? <laughs> what's, what's, what's the plan? Never heard that one. Uh, <laughs> um, plan is to get another job wherever it is. Like, you know, I've never, like, I just, I go wherever the work is. If there's work here, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do another show here. If there's, a, if there's, no, I'll shit you not. If there's, a, if there's a TV show in the States or a movie in the States, <laughs> yeah, I'll, be there with bells on and ribbons attached um i was in london over the weekend um i just forgot how low that's a great city as well although it wasn't very good to me in my career career wise it's still a good city and now with the th thanks to being erica the profile over there is, is, is a little bit better so maybe go back to london if things in the states don't don't pan out immediately and because it I can only go over to the states now for three months because i don't really have i don't have my uh, my visa yet so that's oh, in, okay. in the pros that's another another whole thing as well so i have to get a visa to work there and stuff but yeah I don't know see what happens wow exciting times so listen if people want to find out what's going on next with you can they find you on Twitter Facebook is there what's the place absolutely like Twitter Facebook the lot oh, um, just, you're just Adam Ferguson connected up yeah yeah connected up I was trying to think of a cool name like this is Pop Baby but uh <laughs> sorry Philly you beat me 
Um, excellent. Well, thank you so much for coming on the chapters. That was absolutely brilliant. Um, I wish you continued success wherever it takes you. And uh, I look forward to, uh, to hanging out with you guys. <laughs> nice one, Angus. Yeah, it was cool. Thanks very much, man. Cheers. So there you have it, the great Adam Fergus. Uh, I think a really interesting interview. It's pretty, pretty honest, pretty telling. Uh, and pretty exciting too that he's going through all these exciting things at the moment and there's an awful lot of potential there for that guy I really do think he's uh, I really think he's going to go all the way that's a guy to look out for and uh, I'm absolutely delighted for him couldn't happen to a nicer guy so that brings us to our usual roundup of what's going on around the country um, first up I want to mention uh, a brilliant project that's going to be happening at strangely enough the Project Arts Centre in the coming weeks it's the 24 hour play project that'll be going on and it's a fundraiser for DYT and this is going to be a pretty spectacular evening Um, I'm delighted to be able to say that I will be involved with it. I'm going to be acting in one of the shows that night. But the lineup is absolutely stellar. I mean, from a performer's point of view, you're talking about Dervla Crotty and Don Witcherly and all kinds of names to conjure with. Directors, we'll have Wayne Jordan, uh, Annie Ryan. There's loads of people there. And and the writing team is amazing as well. The brilliant Pauline McGlynn is going to write one of the plays for us. Gary Duggan is writing one as well, as is Tom Swift. It's going to be a spectacular night, and that is one that you can be guaranteed is going to sell out very, very quickly. So if you want to come and see six brand new shows put together in the space of 24 hours, and I don't just mean rehearsed in 24 hours, I mean going from not a single word on the page to a full cast of actors in costume, rehearsed and on stage 24 hours later, dear God knows why I'm letting myself in for this. This is one you really got to check out. It's going to be an amazing night. It will sell out and it will sell out quickly. So if you want to come along, go and book those tickets now. You'll get them at the project's website, which is projectartscenter.ie. Also at Project The Goddess of Liberty, Karen Ardiff's new play for Gunanua will be happening there. That's definitely going to be worth checking out because there's an amazing cast there. Um, at the Viking Theatre at the Sheds, Eden by Eugene O'Brien, which is just a phenomenal piece of writing. Uh, I'll never forget. I think I've seen that maybe three or four times now because I kept going back because it's such... Really an iconic piece of theatre from the last, say, decade or so of Irish writing. And we spoke to Aidan Kelly about taking it to the screen. But this is a chance to go back and see the play in its original form. And I think that'll be well worth a visit. Um, At the gate, Da is going to be going on there with a super cast. That is definitely worth checking out. The brilliant Hugh Leonard play, Da, is always worth a look. Uh, I would get in there to see that if I was you. At the Peacock, we have I Heart Alice Heart I. Uh, by Amy Conroy with the wonderful Claire Barrett. That is definitely going to be worth checking out. That's won every award going and has been going around since the fringe of 2010, I think. It's kind of come back in a couple of different forms. It's absolutely a spectacular show. You must go and see this. Um, Also at the Abbey Upstairs, Bookworms will be coming back which will definitely be worth checking out too. Hollywood Valhalla continues at Bewley's Cafe Theatre to the most phenomenal reviews I've come across in long and many of the day. This thing is getting absolute rave reviews and by all accounts it's thoroughly deserved. Um, you need to go and see this show. A great way to spend your lunchtime if you can pop in out of the office during lunch or if you're doing a show yourself at night, go pop along at lunchtime. Hollywood Valhalla at Bewley's Cafe Theatre is definitely worth checking out. Um, also the Collaborations Festival is on at Smock Alley which is a really exciting mix of kind of shows throughout this mini festival um, which will definitely be worth checking out there's far too many for me to list here but if you go on to the entertainment.ie website and search under the venue smock alley you'll get uh, all the relevant information there there's a whole load of different shows with an awful lot of really great people attached um, definitely something there for everybody so that's worth checking out also we have the master builder by ibsen in a new version by vincent a o'reilly from sheer tantrum theater they're the guys that did that double bill of the applicant and voices in the rubble a little 
while back. They're doing the Master Builder at the Mill Theatre out in Dundrum and then subsequently at the New Theatre in Temple Bar. You can check out both of their websites for details on that there. And obviously, I left this out last week like a moron. Uh, both Druid and Rough Magic are on the road at the moment with uh, Big Maggie and Plaza Suite, respectively. Plaza Suite, of course, directed by a number of directors, uh, one of whom is, of course, Aoife Spillane-Hinks, who we had as a guest on the podcast quite a few weeks back. Uh, they're both two exceptional shows from all I've heard and well worth checking out if you get the chance to at all. So that's us. That is episode 13 in the books. We will be back next week, hopefully with an improved tech setup, for another chat with one of Ireland's leading theatre makers. This has been the Rise Productions Irish Theatre Podcast. For Angus Og McAnally, I'm Angus Og McAnally. We'll see you next week. 